Praise the Lord. All right, as we move forward this morning, I want to talk to you about the art of thanksgiving. If you would please turn in your Bible to Matthew chapter 20, verse 28. Matthew 20, verse 28. Every year the folks at Merriam-Webster pour over thousands of publications of all sorts in search of new words and definitions and old words. And every year they find and include many such words in the latest editions of their dictionaries. In 1982, a new word was added to the English dictionary. It was added because of the amount of usage it received and pressed in other places in the two or three years preceding that year, those years. And the word, and you're probably wondering what these are all about today. But we're talking about Mr. and Mrs. Potato Head. Isn't that great here at Thanksgiving? How many of you like mashed potatoes? And uh, I love mashed potatoes. I'm a, you know, being raised in the country, mom always made a meat and potato. We get married, and I told my wife, I said, you know, every meal has to be a meat and a potato. Neat potato, neat potato. I was sharing with uh, some folks here the other night, Phil and Paul, in regard to um, when I was going through Bible college and the, the apprenticeship program, every house I went to in Milford, Ohio, because I was down there with bearing precious seed, every home I went to had rice. We live in the country. I never had rice. I said, I don't like rice. How can you not like something you've never had? And so, you know, you may have never had mashed potatoes. I never had rice. So God changed my life, changed my heart, changed my direction. I get to Milford, every house we had stir fry, we had rice with milk and sugar, we had rice with this and rice with that, and I, went, I finally said, Lord, I surrender. I am here pastoring at this church, and it hit me. I think it might have been Perna's house. I forget whose home I was in, maybe Ganesh or Benoad's. I can't remember. You had rice. And I love rice now. Praise the Lord. So we'll call them rice potatoes, right? No, mashed potatoes. But, you know, the word that they finally put in the Webster Dictionary is couch potato. How many of you know what a couch potato is? Okay. Well, now let me define it as the Webster Dictionary says what a couch potato is. A person disinclined to activity or exertion, especially one who spends a great deal of time watching television. And I'll wager that as soon as I said that, that many of you pictured what a couch potato is. And you considered the imagine or the image that was in your mind probably includes several different points. One, a remote in the hand, kicking back on a, in a recliner, having food around you, having a bag of chips and a drink in one hand. Or how about this, the blank stare as you're looking at the TV. We love television. So this morning, I want you to hear closely. We live in a world 
that is beset with many problems that have something that's alike to the couch potatoes around us. Heart disease is at an all-time high. Cholesterol is up. Productivity is down. In this information age, we don't read as much as we used to. And as a result, we don't write or speak as well as we used to. Grades in school are lower. And crime is higher. I'm not here to advocate the destruction of your TV set. Listen, I'm not one of those preachers. Or ever doing away with chips and salsa while watching all of your DVR'd miniseries at 2 a.m. in the morning. Don't tell me you don't do that. Isn't it amazing? We don't watch commercials any longer because we can DVR and record everything. Rather, this morning I want to take a note of a similar problem within the church at large. The problem can be summed up in a new word called a pew potato. A pew potato is a Christian who makes his way into the sanctuary at every available opportunity to sit down and watch what's going on while snacking and dipping in his or her religion. Probably all of us have played the part of a pew potato at some point in our lives. And like the couch potato, we are disinclined to Christian activity or exertion. For many, Christianity is a spectator sport. They come and watch what's going on and never involve themselves in working in the kingdom. They come and watch what's going on and never involve themselves in working in the kingdom. I'm going to kick back. I'm going to relax. I'm going to get all I can, can all I get, and sit on the can. Because that's what church is about. Met a person this past week. I said, so how are things going? Where are you going to church? Oh, I'm going to the big church. I won't tell you where, but it's over there. And uh, I said, oh, are you? They said, yep, because I'm done working. I'm not working at all. Any longer, I'm retiring. I said, really? Wow. So you're retiring from building the kingdom? I didn't know it was already built. So really, what this individual was telling me is, they're becoming a pew potato. Right? So they just want to come in, just sit. Have you ever noticed that on a potato, don't you love Mr. and Mrs. Potato Head? Come on, don't you guys, come on teenagers, you like this? I mean, but how many potatoes do you notice, or spuds, I, I was going to throw that in there, that uh, have eyes, they have a bunch of eyes, because that's all people want to do, they want to watch what's going on, and not do what needs to go on, to be productive. Let's face it, service is not usually fun. It's hard to put ourselves at bay and serve others, especially when we're talking about working in the nursery or the toddler room or any classroom. How about Awanas or Operation Christmas Child? Opening doors, closing doors, being, you know, the, the man that stands in the lot. Preacher, it's raining outside. Well, it's raining everywhere too, probably, but there's a lot of people to do. Don't you love going by the word church and they're all waving at you? 
We love that because we know that every part of the ministry is important. Every facet of the ministry. You know, I was thinking, there's times I will come in the sanctuary and pick up bulletins or brochures for some that have never heard the word bulletin after service. I find them on the floor. I find them underneath the pews. I find them on the chairs. Instead of picking them up, putting it in the trash, now the service is over, how about this, take the bulletin home and pray for the people on the prayer list. That is a great idea, preacher. You're welcome. I'm glad you said something today. We all have difficulty serving in a facet that really is inconvenient for us. Like a couch potato, we suffer from ill health, but yet the body of Christ suffers and becomes ill when we allow ourselves to become pew potatoes. And they do this for another reason. I love this, and I couldn't wait to tell all of you. This is the exciting part of today's message. I could just stop here, but I'm not going to. There's a bunch of taters around. So I had to come up with some taters. And uh, for some, you will love this and appreciate it. And for others, you may scratch your head. They don't feel they have anything to offer. They lack experience. We call them commentators. The work of the ministry is to be done by the professional, full-time clergy or pastor or deacon or trustee. So I'm just going to let them do that. But what I call them are dictators. All the work is currently being done. And when a slot opens, then they'll jump right in. That's called a spectator. The positions of service that are available do not fit my gifts. You see, I can't do that, Pastor. I've never prayed. I've never preached. I've never taught anybody. What are you thinking? I I can't do that. So I'm just going to sit in my pew and do nothing. So I have a name for you. You're a hesitator. I'm just trying to give you the full Thanksgiving meal. That's it today. All right, we don't want you to walk away hungry. I'm too old. I'm too young. To offer my services would be prideful. You know, I'll just do this. I'll fake it till I make it. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pretend. And what do we call that person? An imitator. And then the last one. We have this in every congregation in every church jobs are not very appealing and i'm afraid i have problems with the ministry leader and you know what because i don't like him i'm going to go over here and tell this other person in that ministry just how much i don't like them and the way they run that ministry and so we're going to call that guy what is it the agitator I'd be a liar if I said some of those things have never crossed my mind. We have all been there. We've been in a place where we were one of them. We've hesitated. We've become a commentator. We've become, uh, you know, a spectator or a hesitator or an agitator. But you know what? I love that we can become 
a sweet potato. And that's the key to today's message. The fact is, none of those are very good reasons for not getting out of the pew and into a place of ministry. There's some excellent reasons why we should fight the pew potato syndrome and get into a place of service. So to honor our Lord, we're going to pray and ask him to bless us and to encourage us as we move forward this morning. Let's pray. Father, we come to you, Lord, realizing that we're nothing without your power, without your presence. And so, Father, today we thank you that we can come together as a community of believers. Oh, Lord, touch us today. Convict us today. Help us today. Encourage us today. And, Lord, we just thank you that we can serve you. You said as you've done it to the least of these, you've done it unto me. Father, may we take your word. May it be simple, profound. Lord, may it encourage all of us to get involved. Lord, speak through me today. In your name we pray. Amen. Matthew chapter 20, verse 28. Even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister to, and to give his life a ransom for many. It says here that Jesus Christ, the Son of Man, says this. You need to come and serve, <coughs> excuse me, and not be served. Say that with me. Serve and not be served. One more time. Serve and not be served. We are so wrapped up in being served in America that I really believe that even in our Nepali fellowship, some have given up on serving because we live in America. Everything should be brought to us. We should be served. We don't have to get up. We need to make a difference. This Thanksgiving, why don't you get up and be thankful that you can give and not get? Don't be a pew potato. Be a sweet tater. Be one that shows love and affection for somebody else. Make a difference. So this morning, I'm going to try to get through this with clarity and time. But I want you to listen as I go through seven different points quickly on why should we serve others. What did Jesus say? He came to when I hear people tell me in the, in the ministry, I'm done, Pastor. I did it for the last two years. Could you imagine Jesus Christ going to the cross and halfway as he's carrying the cross, he stops and says, eh, I'm tired. So he lays the cross down and says, okay, where's my sunglasses? I'm going to kick back and relax at the beach. He didn't do that. We would die in eternal flames in hell. He didn't stop in between the Via Della Rosa, the places he was heading of punishment and of pain. He went to the cross. He went to Calvary for you and for me. 
Why should we serve others? In Ephesians 2.10 it says this, For we are His workmanship. We are created in Christ Jesus unto or for good works, which God hath before ordained, prepared, that we should walk in them. And I want you, if, you're, if you want to turn to Ephesians 2.10, that word before, because we, we were created for service. Point number one, we were created for service. We were His workmanship. He said and implanted inside of me a little boy that couldn't say his awes. I would always say, come heal Twacy. Isn't that cute, my wife says. Could you imagine? Honey, I love you with all my heart. You are so beautiful. We couldn't say it. But God already knew. He placed me in the right home with the right parents, the right school system. And so now I'm able to speak and encourage through his word, the letter R. And I praise the Lord for Mrs. Balkley, which is really Barkley, for what she's done in my life. The Bible says that even before you were born, God planned a life of service for you. The reason why so many people are miserable today, feel empty, is because they've missed the point of life. The Bible says that long ago God planned that you and I should serve others. As I serve others, my own needs are met, and as I give my life away, I find it. Do you know why I get emotional over Operation Christmas Child? Because it's serving the needs of others. It's presenting the gospel of Jesus Christ. Listen, we are so wrapped up into big church that people don't want to come to small church because people don't have time for an altar call. People don't want to come to an altar for fear decisions are going to made for eternity. Guess what? The Holy Spirit might move in their heart and in their life to do what? To serve. Why would we want to do that? So today, at the end of my message, we're just talking about our heads, say amen, and out the door you go. There won't be a time of reflection. It'll all be over. Why, why then preach the Word? Why speak the Word if we don't allow the Holy Spirit to do His work? Amen. We must get to a place where we realize that we were created for service too. It proves that I belong to Christ. Number two, it proves that I belong to Christ. Turn with me to Colossians chapter 1, verses 10 through 19. Colossians chapter 1, verses 10 through 19. That you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God strengthened with all might according to his glorious power, woo, unto all patience and long-suffering with joyfulness. I'll tell you, the Holy Spirit power is amazing. See, when you get out of your pew and you start doing something, you have more strength than you've ever had. We've heard people say, you know what, and I've heard people even throughout my lifetime and at this young, ripe age of 43... I've heard this comment, not once, but several times. I wish you would just get off the couch. 
if she'd start exercising more, she would feel better. Haven't you heard that? We've all been there. But we can't continue to keep serving if we're just going to be a pew potato. We can't get better. We can't get from a place where we say, well, I just can't. I can't do it. I can't. Well, you can. So we continue. Giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son, in whom we have redemption through his blood. Isn't that wonderful? Aren't you glad you're redeemed by the blood of the Lamb? I'm so thankful. Uh, My wife read, I think it was on Facebook yesterday, you know, a mosquito and, and... well, actually, it was kind of my story, not really. A mosquito came up to her and bit her, and he went away singing, There's Power in the Blood. <laughs> hey, did you guys hear something? That I was addicted to the hokey pokey, and then I turned myself around? <laughs> okay. I said that to my daughter. I didn't want to tell Victoria last week because then she put it on Facebook. But I, I love that, so... I've been just waiting for that moment. But anyhow, there's power in the blood. There's redemption in the blood of Jesus Christ. And so in whom we have the redemption, we're in verse 15, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. By him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by him and... All things were created by him and for him. So we continue. 17. And he is before all things, and by him all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. Isn't it wonderful to think that our God is in charge of the church and that we have power. He has all dominion over our lives. We were created for Him. You see, a non-serving Christian is a contradiction to the Word of God. A non-serving Christian is a contradiction to the Word of God. Listen. We need to get busy. We need to serve the Lord. Point number three, serving others is the way to serve God. If you turn over to Colossians chapter three, since we're already there, it says this in verse 17. And whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. Then if you go down to 23, it says, and whatsoever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men knowing that of the Lord you shall receive the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. No matter what you're doing or who you are doing it for, you're doing it for the Lord. Matthew 25, 40 says, Jesus said, And as much as you've done it unto the least of these, my brethren, you've done it unto me. Basically, he's saying, when you feed and clothe others, then you feed and clothe me. Hmm. Humbling. Willing service to others is the same thing as service to God. When we surrender to His service, we're doing it unto God. There's a great reward for our Christian faithfulness. I hope that you are actually asking yourself, 
Am I serving God for Him and Him alone? If we don't have a community of believers and a church that's serving God, then it's all for nothing. Listen, serving others is a way to serve God. For why should we serve others? Because I owe God everything. Romans 12.1 says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a what? A living sacrifice, not a pew potato, not a dead sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. If you can't carry a box up and down a flight of steps, that's okay. How about do this? Sit at a table and help check in people. Or how about this? Can I bring cookies? Can I make a difference for the team of people? And then I love, this is the best part, ready? I want you to know, Donnie Renee, I want you to know, Diane Shaver, we're praying for this week. I'm dedicating every single day to prayer. Isn't that amazing? How many of you say this? Jacob, I'm going to pray for you, buddy. Don't you worry about it. I'm going to pray for you. You walk away, you already forgot about praying for him. Are you a living sacrifice Holy and acceptable unto God. So what is your reasonable service? I can't give account for your service. Only God knows your heart. So what is it you're going to do that you consider a living sacrifice? This Thanksgiving, and if you'll notice, it says thankfulness. Knowing that there's a reward and an inheritance. Do it with all your heart. Do it with all your mind. Serve with all your soul and strength. Don't be a pew potato. The reason why I serve the Lord is because of what God has done for me. Because of His mercy. When I think of what Jesus Christ has done for me, the sacrifice that He's made for me, there's no sacrifice that I can make for Him that will ever compare. Even if I never got any reward for the service that I do for the Lord, I owe Him my service. The fact that He saved me, He made me His, and I'm going to go to heaven when I die. He forgave all of my sins. So I give Him my life because I owe Him everything. Five, because it's the best use of my life. First Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58 says this. Therefore, my beloved, beloved brothers, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know your labor is not in vain. And I love this, that your labor is not in vain. And I hear people say this to me all the time. Well, preacher, labor is not in vain. Your labor is not in vain, but it's in vain if it's not in the Lord. See, the latter part of that says, your labor is not in vain in the Lord. If you're in children's ministry and you change a diaper, diaper, a diaper, where'd that come from? If you change a diaper, it's not without value. If you pick a piece of trash on Sunday morning because you say someone walking in who needs to know Jesus might be turned off by this. That's not worthless. It's a value. If you walk into a restroom and you see paper spread out all over and you pick it up, you're actually thinking, 
some visitor might come in here, but might be offended by the way we treat the house of God. Nothing you do is without value if you do it for the Lord. The Bible says this, whatever you do, since you do it as to the Lord, it all counts. Collecting boxes, working relay week, preparing food, if you're part of the hospitality team, it all counts. Don't be a hesitator. Don't be a spectator. Don't be a commentator or an agitator. That's yet, don't be a dictator. Don't stand around and tell people what to do. Once you get involved in the ministry and start serving like you're supposed to. Two more points and then we'll close. Number six. Why should we serve others? See, I'm going to back up just a little bit. If we are a sweet tater, that even counts for God. Listen, it's not so, not so much of what you do, it's your heart and how you do it. So you need to ask yourself this question, what is my attitude? What is my attitude as I do this? It thrills my heart to see people serve. I wish all we would do all the time is, hi, can I help you? Can I, can I carry that to the car for you? Can I do this? Can I help you? Can, can, I, can I lead you here? What can I help you with today? Can you imagine what a sweet tater you'd become? It sure would be best than you'd be an old agitator. So if you're excited about serving, you'll have the heart of the Lord. So there's no insignificant service in God's eyes. It's not like being a singer on stage on Sunday morning is more important than stuffing bulletins, or stuffing bulletins is more important than parking cars, or parking cars is more important than leading the Awana class. The Bible says that nothing you do in the Lord's service is without value. When you minister, even in the smallest way, you're making an impact for eternity. When you do other stuff, that won't count five years from now, much less for eternity. It is the best use of my life to serve other people. And as your pastor, I could say this. Well, I'd rather grow my business and make a million bucks, retire and live on the ocean than I would to pastor with all the headaches that come with serving people. It's not the right attitude. So I need to wake up daily and I need to say this, God, help me to serve. Help me to have the right spirit, the right attitude. Help me, Lord, in, in the midst of my frustration, Father God, help me to be all I need to be. What counts is giving your life away. I want you to turn with, into Matthew 16. And we're going to look at this, verses 24 through 28. Matthew 16, verses 24 through 28. Number six, why should we serve others? Because it makes life meaningful. Why should we serve others? It makes life meaningful. And one of, this is probably one of my most favorite texts of the Bible because it foretells the passion of Christ. Then said Jesus unto his disciples in verse 24, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, and whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. For what is it profited a man 
if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man shall come in the glory of his Father with the angels, and then he shall reward every man according to his what? His works. Verily I say unto you, there be some standing here, an agitator, a hesitator, a commentator. There will be some standing here which shall not taste of death till they see the Son of Man coming in His kingdom. Now I want you to notice something. It says here, here's what Jesus said. One, deny yourself. Two, take up. Deny himself, that is, refuse his own claims upon himself. Take up actually means to lift up. It is a stronger word than that even used in chapter 10, verse 38, and applies a lifting of the cross on high so that all may see it. This is the strongest statement in the New Testament about the disciples' need to crucify themselves by yielding to the claims of Christ's lordship over him. When was the last time that you crucified yourself? When was the last time that you lifted up, that you took up your banner, that you took up your cross, and you followed after Him? Church, we need to get excited and do something profound in our earthly life for the cause of Jesus Christ. Jesus even said in Mark chapter 8, verse 35, Whosoever will save his life shall lose it. But whosoever shall lose his life for my sake and the gospels, the same shall save it. So take up my cross and follow me. I know pity people are up to their neck in service. I happen to know that those are the people who are most alive. Listen closely. If you are not serving, you're not living. You're just existing. If you're not serving, you're not living, you're just existing. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. That's why we want to see people break free from a pew potato syndrome and become involved somehow because Jesus said, Only those people who are throwing their lives away for my sake and the sake of the good news will ever know what it means to really live. It makes life meaningful. And then number seven, and we're done. Here's what it says. Why should we serve others? It will be rewarded for eternity. In John chapter 12, 26, Jesus said, If any man serve me, let him follow me, and where I am, there shall my servants be. If any man serve me, him will my Father honor. Wow. Matthew 25, 21 says, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. And then the choir sings, Enter now into the joy of the Lord. Wow. How many of you have served God and said, It was awesome. It, for example, if I say to my wife, God bless you, she'll say, And you can also say, thank you, I receive that. Isn't it great just to know that somebody will speak a blessing into your life? And we're not talking when you sneeze, you say, Gunzundike, or God bless you. What we're saying is, serving God will be a reward for eternity. See, this life is just a test. 
This is just probation down here. You're just being tested and God is seeing what kind of faithfulness you truly have. You're going to spend far more time on that side of eternity than you do in the 60, 70, 80, or 90 years that you're here. How you spend your time here is going to determine what's going to be done with you in the next life for eternity. You see, Jesus said this. You've been faithful in little things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share the joy of the Lord. And that's the greatest motivation in my life. Come and share in the joy of the Lord. Someday I will stand before Jesus Christ and I hope I hear him say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. You were not perfect but you did your best. You gave it your best shot, Todd. You tried to make your life count for Christ. You gave it away. You had mistakes and bloopers and did all kinds of things that were worthless, but you gave it your best shot. At that point, when Jesus says, well done, well done, thou good and faithful servant, it will be worth it all. Because that's where I'm going to spend eternity. I want everyone's attention. And I'm going to say this. And I want you to understand. I will even speak slowly. As I close. The Bible clearly stated. If you're faithful. With just a tiny little bit. That I give you. Listen. If you will be faithful with just a little bit, I will make you ruler over a lot. Isn't it great to know that the giver is the Lord? He wants to bless every single one of you if you'll let Him. Church, we will never grow if we don't understand service. We will never grow if we continue to keep putting ourselves on a stool and elevate ourselves higher than we should be. Not one person in this room is above doing something for Christ. I'm going to share this story with you. I got a call this week. And it was from my cousin Ed. He said, I'm working on this house. And a man walks up. And this young boy walks up to him. And Ed said, I saw him. He was an African-American young man. And he proceeds to tell his story of living in Cleveland, Ohio. But before he told this story, here's what this young little man did who's... 24 years old. Here's what he said. Hi, I represent XYZ Company. And I'm selling magazines for the holiday season. I'm trying to provide for my daughter and I. My cousin proceeded to say, Oh, this is a joke. I I don't have I'm not buying magazines. He proceeded to say, 
And I'm from, you know, up north where it's cold and we're just down here. We all come down together. We canvass these separate areas. And I'm just trying to get my life right. My, my cousin Ed said to him, well, why are you here? Why aren't you working in the Cleveland Akron area? He said, because I need to say this to you. Now, it wasn't going to say anything. It was going to turn around. But Ed asked him a question. He said this. Why are you here? And he goes, well, when I was a boy, I lived in Cleveland, Ohio. My dad was the number one drug lord in Cleveland. And because my dad didn't pay his debt to his dealer, my mom and dad's brakes on their car were cut. And he said, because they were cut, they didn't know it. And they were traveling someplace in Cleveland on a hill or whatever. They went to stop. They didn't. Both of their lives were taken. And he said, I was just a teenage boy. I didn't know. And Ed's just standing there like staring at him, not realizing, wow, this is unbelievable. And he said, but here's how the story goes. I then proceeded to be the drug dealer. See, I, put, I picked up where my dad left off. I said, well, if dad made that kind of money and we lived this kind of life, I'm going to do the same thing. And he went like this and he opened up his shirt and he said, until I was shot twice. And I'm laying in bed. And he said, days in a coma, he was asleep. Equipment was keeping him alive. And he said this, I woke up to a lady and a baby girl at the foot of my bed. And I said, who are you? And she proceeded to say, well, I was your ex-girlfriend because he couldn't remember. And this is your daughter. He said, I have a daughter. That's all the responsibility I have. So I've done time. I've served my time in the jail system. He said, now I'm down here selling magazines, trying to live an honest life. He said, because God did a work on that bed in my life. And he said, so do you know the Lord? And he said, well, yes, I know the Lord. Now, this is just three days ago. He said, yes, I know the Lord. That's why I'm sharing this with you. You asked, I'll tell you. I love talking about the Lord. And he goes, see all my tattoos? He goes, my body's tattooed all over. It said, can you come back in 10 minutes? I'm going to go to the bank. I'm going to buy a magazine for your daughter. And here's the concluding part to this story. Ed said, I get to the bank and I'm standing at the ATM machine. And he said, as I'm standing at the bank, God told him, I want you to take out $100 and give to this young black boy. And Ed said, and pay for the magazines? He said, yep. So Ed said, I stood there and I hesitated. And he took the money out. He went back. The young man met him in the driveway. And Ed filled out the paperwork, handed him the money for the magazines. And here's what he said, Ed said to him. And I can't remember his name exactly, but he said, I want to give you a gift. The Lord spoke to me. And Ed said, right when I said I'm going to give you a gift, that young man, he said, Todd, wept 
like a baby. He hadn't even received his $100 gift. And Ed said, here's what I did. I put this on a Visa card because he ran next door wherever and got a Visa card. And he said, I want you to buy your baby something. And he said, I can't believe this. And Ed said, well, what can't you believe? He said, I just was on the phone with my sister this morning. And she said, if you'll come up with 100, I'll come up with 100. We'll get that gift for her. And that will be her birthday gift on December 4th. And he said, do you mean to tell me you're an answer to my prayer today? And Ed said, he goes, as I wipe my eyes and I'm crying, he said, I guess I am. And I told Ed this. I said, isn't the scriptures awesome when it says, as you've done it unto the least of these, you've done it unto me. I said, Ed, you'll never know if he was an angel of the Lord. You'll never know what impact you made on his life. Maybe it's not about the person that you're giving a gift to. Can you turn those on, please? Maybe it's not about that gift. Maybe it's about your heart of service. Maybe it's time for you to surrender to the almighty will of God and quit sitting back like a couch potato on this Thanksgiving and not a pew potato, but let's be a sweet tater for the Lord Jesus Christ. Say this with me. The whole congregation, say this with me. I will not be a pew potato. I will serve God by serving others and be happy about it. No matter what God asks me to do. This season, there is opportunity if you'll just receive it. God wants to rip you apart. He wants to take you and to drive you to places that you never thought possible in this earthly life. I want to be a part of a church that's not a dying church. That's alive, that you feel the power of the Holy Spirit, and that there are stories to tell to our great, great grandchildren. Each and every one of you, Nepali, brothers and sisters in the Lord, God has given you opportunity in Akron, Ohio to do His will. He allowed you to leave a refugee camp and to come to America to enjoy freedom, victory, electricity, technology, automobiles, but more than that, to freely worship Almighty God openly publicly and corporately. Have we forgotten who we are? Have we forgotten who God is? I started worrying about, oh my goodness, time's getting away. Because one man said to me, I'd go to your church, but you you preach past 12. Well, you only come once every four or five months anyhow. Be a couch potato because you're only an agitator in the pew here. Church, let's embrace 
the joy of the Lord. God wants you to surrender today. He's been speaking to you. Here's the altar. Will you surrender your life? Will you give your life to Him? Instead of being separate as a Mr. and Mrs. Potato Head, how about you come together? Isn't that special? And work together as a team. You guys weren't expecting that, were you? I had to practice it down in my office. There we go. And today I'm going to give you a gift. One per family. And the card says this, I will not be a pew potato. I will serve God by serving others and be happy about it. No matter what God asks me to do, I will be a blessing. You'll never look at Mr. and Mrs. Potato Head the same way. Listen, this is the art of thanksgiving. This is making a difference. Let's not be a spectator, a hesitator, a commentator, a dictator, an agitator. Let's be a sweet tater. Let's do something. Let's show people love. Let's make a difference. Let's all stand as we pray and close today. Let's pray. Father, we come to You. Lord, with an outstretched arm. Lord, willing and ready to be what You want us to be. Oh God, help us to remember that, Lord, You came to serve. Lord, You even washed Your disciples' feet. Lord, You were just the ultimate example of what service is. Father, in the quietness of this room, there are many that have been struggling with how to serve You or how to play an integral part and an important part of Your worship. But Lord, may we realize that Your Word says as You've done it unto the least of these people, You've done it unto me. Father, I uplift this young man Lord, I ask for a special anointing and a blessing upon his life this Thanksgiving and Christmas season. Oh God, I speak that you'll bless his coming and going. That he'll know that that encounter with Ed was a divine appointment. And God, maybe it was one of your angels. Lord, may you even speak to Ed today and realize that monetary gain is just nothing when it comes to the kingdom of heaven. Oh God, let us just embrace Your love. Let us embrace Your joy. Lord, do a work in and through us as we surrender and live our life holy, acceptable unto You. God, help us not to just be dead in our sacrifice, but to be a living sacrifice. Holy God, today we thank You for Your Word. We thank You for the encouragement. And Lord, I promise You, as opportunity arises, I will serve Thee because I love Thee. In Your name we pray. Amen.